Well, it's the fourth time we're trying to record this podcast. And rice, guys. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep it moving. I have now introed the Trump situation where he is threatening to veto the stimulus bill three separate times. The first time I got like a shocked reaction out of Chandler. The second time, a very muted reaction. She's already heard my little spiel. So I'm just going to, now we're going to move right past it, baby. It's not even worth it. Um, Not even worth it. Moving right along. All right, Chan, so much to discuss today. Let's just hope we actually have a successful recording. Yeah, let's just get right into it. I kind of want to start off with some light items, a light lift, if you will. That's what we okay. work. A little like speed round. Ariana Grande's engagement ring. I'm so over these wacky engagement rings. It falls in the same category as Emrata for me and her wedding ring. Emrata came to the surface like after that and people were digging it up to show like, oh, this is a trend with celebrities. Yeah, this is a trend. So it's it's two stones. Emrata has two huge diamonds. Ariana Grande has a diamond and a little pearl next to the diamond. Yeah. And apparently the pearl is from her nana. I think grandmother, which is sweet. I can tell you I like Ariana Grande's more because I personally feel like Emrata's looks like boobs, like misshapen boobs. And I feel like no matter what stone shape you pick, that's how two big diamonds are going to look next to each other. Mm-hmm. Like a pair of knockers. So, yeah, exactly. Like a pair. Yeah. Hold on. Sorry. Like, what? I'm in the middle of my podcast. You can't ask me for our flight details. I love you so much, but like, please. Okay. Isn't it so fun when your partner is- I don't understand. Just doesn't like respect the fact that you're trying to work. I don't get it. Like this is literally, this isn't every time you record. If I went up to him when he was in a meeting, in a meeting with other people and I was like, hey, our flight details, can I get our flight details? He would look at me with death in his eyes. Right, right. And I would never do it. We know better. Okay, so back to the wedding ring. Yeah, okay, so I think that two diamonds next to each other look like mis- like either boobs or misshapen boobs. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even marquees next to each other, they're going to be like low-hanging knockers. Jeez. Okay, officially banning the word knockers from our podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What did you think? I mean, it's hard. I don't want to, like, be rude about something sentimental, but this is what I'm here for, so... I think that's what we do. Celebrities want it all. They want to have the sentimental factor and then they also want to have a big A stone. And I just don't think the two things, at least in this case, work well together. So it just looks odd. It looks odd. I wouldn't say Ariana's falls into the category of Emirata's or into the boob category because it's the little. I I don't even see the the boob thing per se. I just think it looks strange. No, Ariana's does not look like boobs. That's what I was trying to say. But yeah, it looks strange. Like it doesn't look pretty. Something about it. Like it's like an eyesore. I hate it. I hate that I use that word. I sound like someone who lives in a gated community, but it's an eyesore. And I feel like if I was a dancer, I would not be able to look away in a bad way. It's the kind of person we aspire to be someday. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's not a pretty look. And when I was choosing my engagement ring, you were with me. You actually basically picked out my ring. Um, Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, you, you did. I happily accept that credit and it looks beautiful on you. Courtney will refute this till the day she dies, but I picked out James's name. Um, I told credit wars, which is a bloodbath out here. It's just, Oh, for the record, I found hot Cheetos first. (laughs) Totally. But I will give you the credit that you picked out my ring. We were at Mark Brumond. Nail Lane. (laughs) We were at Mark Brumond in LA and and I was looking at a radiant cut with a hidden halo and then the pave band. And Chandler was the the one. We saw this ring and I put it on and I had like chills all over my body. And Chandler was like, that's what you want. That's what you want. You just want a beautiful diamond on a gold band. And that's it. Like super clean. And I feel like your wisdom is so true. Like you want your ring to be timeless. And symmetrical, I dare say. <laughs> like at the very least symmetrical and i'm sorry i just wish the pearl ring was like on her index finger or something it's her first marriage this marriage is never it's not our first engagement that's for damn sure yeah who knows if she'll even make it down the aisle so it'll at least be something that can be sold at, at auction that? at auction someday uh, antiques at, Cri- at christie's yeah <laughs> speaking of celebrities selling their goods we have a very special segment with a trusted professional 
coming up for you guys. Basically, we are going to interview our dear father about the Erica Girardi and Tom Girardi divorce proceedings. He's a divorce attorney, and so we want to get his formal opinion about the merits of the case. We will not be paying his hourly rate. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. He will be coming on as a pro bono attorney, as we both serve. You for Sean Burke. Uh You listen to the Patreon. You know what we're talking about. (laughs) Me for Meghan Markle. Chandler, what's your predictions if we will be able to actually get dad on the pod? I mean, I'm already stressed about trying to find him like a pair of working headphones. So that's my a, prediction is that this will not happen and that you and I will just end up having to like fib our way through the law. But I'm hopeful. No. See, I the technicalities, the technical part of it doesn't scare me at all. That's the easiest part. I think that when mom catches wind, oh, yeah. we're going to have dad on, she will sabotage it. Because I she's, think that's she, probably pretty true. She doesn't support this pod because she thinks we sound trashy. And we did use the word knockers like three times. It offends her. That was and, yeah. So anyway, we'll see if we can actually get our get John Bledsoe Esquire on the pod later. But for now, I think should we reserve our thoughts? Let's until reserve our thoughts. Pod? Okay. Yeah, because and then if not, we can always circle back. We can always ask him questions and relay what he right. has to say if mom puts her foot down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, hold on. Is someone playing music? That would be Kagan. Can you, um, Kagan, thank you. Kagan. Okay. Kagan is literally on Kagan? my last nerve. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel like I've snapped at him like a few times. Like it's been, it's been. Are you guys having a romantic relationship down in the basement? And you know what I'm saying. What does that mean? Have you consummated the basement? Um, plead the fifth. Oh, I'm in the <laughs> And it's just like, it's Chris, it's Christmas. Can you just not? How do you think Jesus was born, Chandler? Oh, my God. <laughs> ah! Cut that joke out. Leave it, save it for the Patreon. I'm not cutting that out. I think our listeners can handle it. There are people. And if they can't, Godspeed to you. But we'll see you in the next life. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Okay. I want to talk about dying to get your thoughts. Released today were photos of Bronwyn Wyndham Burke of Real Housewives of Orange County mm-hmm. on the beach with her girlfriend Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. take the floor you have the floor i'd like to turn turn the time over to you i don't have like extensive thoughts on this i just have one damning thought that kind of grosses me out okay her girlfriend looks very young very young and like that to me is gross okay thank you for that thought i'm glad you were brief because my thoughts are long-winded great i will try to keep them brief but my first thought is that these photos are super high quality Yes. So it's obvious that this was staged. Right. And there's just no way that she didn't orchestrate these photos going out. The thing is, you have to realize, Bronwyn lives in the in Orange County. Paparazzi don't really hang around in Orange County. Paparazzi are in, like, L.A., like, Malibu, like, major parts, major celebrity hubs. No one's in Orange County. No. And most of the time, even in L.A., most celebrities call the paparazzi on, on themselves. Exactly. It's actually very rare to get a true pap shot. Right. Most of the time, it's all just publicity stunts. Yeah. So for me, this was not cool because I don't believe that Bronwyn needs to be at home with her children at all times. Like, you don't support Vicky's comment. So Vicky Gumbelson, OG of the OC, commented on her photo and said, what were the exact words? Go home and be with your seven kids. Okay, that's not that. Those are not my thoughts. I don't think as a mother you have to be at home with your kids right, all the time. Right. But I do think that it's clear Bronwyn is obsessed with being famous and loves all the fame, and mm-hmm. she's become kind of a fame whore. Definitely a fame whore. Fame whore. I mean, and I think, yeah, like she's clearly trying to drive her storyline. She's leaning into this, and I think that if I was one of her kids and I saw her so consumed by her fame essentially her reality show fame Mm -hmm. and like does really her 16 year old her 12 year old her teenage kids do they need to see their mom like think about your mom when you're like in middle school or high school like who's like so central to your life right like like is is the sun and you rotate around her just imagine seeing photos of her with with like with her significant other that's not your dad that's not your dad and also who looks barely older than you. Like, yeah, this I mean, definitely. Looks like she's in her mid-20s. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting because I think we usually see this with a man and a much younger woman. And there people obviously abhor that. But seeing it with a woman and a much younger woman, it's interesting. And I, I agree. I think that 
seeing your mom call the paparazzi so that they can report on her and her new girlfriend, like right around Christmas time, just feels like, is this really like the time? You is just know the moment. It's all- oh, yeah, that's also a very astute point. Like really, the week of Christmas, you just know that this is all she's consumed by. This is right. all she probably wants to talk about at home. Yeah. She probably, just think about it. We get a negative review on our podcast or we get like a, I don't know. Any kind of shade thrown at what we're right. doing, it like fully almost ruins oh, our day. Oh, totally. Totally does. Those words like they – yeah, they like have an impact. And so the idea that she is just letting it roll off and being a present mother, you just know she's consumed by the criticism. Like she's sitting at dinner with all of her kids consumed by the Vicky comment and it's like she's just letting like fame essentially eclipse I mean, yeah. Life. I think like – She's trying to stay relevant. It's fine that it's it's a hundred percent her prerogative to live her truth, date who she wants to date, get separated from her husband. It's just like the public angle of it that feels very gross to me. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Is she like officially separated from Sean too? No, no, no. They're trying to stay together. Like they're trying to stay married and have an open marriage. Guys, I promised myself that I would keep my Sean like loving comments to a minimum, but like that man, folks, like he puts he, every man on this earth to shame. Every seriously. man. Yeah. We should be so lucky to have a man in our life like Sean Burke. I'll take like, the amulets and the trust fund for the record. Back to the Ariana Grande c- commentary for a minute. Yeah. It's interesting because she announced her engagement and then her Netflix special was announced the very next day. I just think it's all planned, folks. Like the announcements, the photos leaking, it's all a puppet show. Chris Kardashian is pulling the strings behind everything. And we're all just like sheeple in her game. Yeah, I don't fault that though. Like I think that if I was a, a major celebrity, if I had some big news to share, I would want to share it around the time that my project was being released just to draw attention to the project and okay. to try to have it be as successful as possible. That doesn't bug me as much. Okay, interesting. I mean, your engagement? You want that to be like a part of some like PR rollout plan? I don't know the engagement itself, but the announcement, sure. Hmm. Okay. I don't think that like telling the world, like you could tell all your friends and family and just have the Instagram post be like coinciding with when your project's released. Everyone look out for retained finance and Lauren's wedding having interesting launch dates. (laughs) Oh, wow. Open your eyes. Oh my gosh. Someone did ask us on the Q&A if we have jobs. So should we just answer that right now? Yeah, let's answer that. (laughs) You always assume people know either what we do or... Do I not complain about mine enough? Or I don't actually complain, but do I not talk about my poor work ethic enough? Clearly not. I think that there maybe we have some new people to the pod. So Chan, what do you do? Why don't you tell people what I do? Chandler's a copywriter for Mark Zuckerberg, and his he has a social media company. She works for them. Yeah, she- his he's got a social media company that's <laughs> run by a few people out of Palo Alto, and yeah. Chandler's a copywriter. So if you remember when we got a lot of exhortations on Facebook and Instagram to vote, Chandler was the mastermind behind the scenes, creating like a bunch of different phrases for how to say, <laughs> you should vote. How to check if you're registered to vote. Like, that's supposed to take a lot of workshopping. It, it, it was a lot. You guys, <laughs> you don't even know. It was a lot. I had to come up with a lot of Instagram captions, a lot of post copy. But yeah, I am a copywriter and I work at Facebook. So. Does copywriting include selecting emojis in the standing? Yes, it does. Lauren, you wouldn't believe the amount of times that I get feedback that's like, hey, let's throw a few more emojis in there. That's a real like note people will leave in decks. I me. mean, Wow. Talk yeah. about hard work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you coal, know what? Coal miners of, of uh, the never. last century have nothing on, on you. They literally could never. Hey, you know how you did the sun smiley face <laughs> or the sun face? Let's do actually a moon looking to the side. <sighs> it's like, I can't, ma- I can't make the plants tonight. Okay. I got to rewrite the emojis for this my, The emojis they want are not in my recents. And so I have to actually scroll <laughs> to get no, that emoji. Are you oh. kidding? Because I'm such a hard worker and I work on my computer, not my phone. I use a thing called Emojipedia, if anyone's interested. And that's where I find all my emojis. So it's really different. Okay. Well, just want to one-up you here. If you go Control-Command-Space, did you know this keyboard shortcut? Control-Command-Space? What? You never but then you, you can't, know about that? But you can't, like, the thing is, Facebook has different emojis than, there's, like, a Facebook keyboard. It's all very strange. 
but like okay i'm just saying there's different keyboards if you knew anything about my craft or my actual (laughs) job you would understand the nuances of it but you don't so it's okay it's okay you're a layman and i i'm not going to take the time to explain it to you yeah honestly excuse me uh, honestly it's like trying to explain to a dog the difference between a knife and a scalpel you might as well just just not have the conversation yeah just skip right on over an infant yeah exactly i mean why would you ever be explaining that to an infant but yeah sure (laughs) You know what I mean. Okay, everyone. Great keyboard shortcut. Control command space. Just try it. It'll change your life. And that's why that's what that's all we wanted to talk about today on the podcast. We <laughs> yeah. wanted to wrap up with this keyboard shortcut. Yeah. Come back next week for more keyboard shortcuts. It's our specialty. Have We've you ever run out of content? Command control shift four. Now that's <laughs> a screenshot that just copy paste. It doesn't go to your desktop. It's just copy paste. Wait, command wait, I've never even I didn't know about command, that. Command control shift four. So you take a screenshot, but then instead of it going to your desktop and, you know, making for lots of clutter, it will just go to your copy. So you'll just hit like paste and then oh, it just that's copies cool. it to your clipboard. That's what See, I meant this to say. Is great. We're clearly nearing that of 2020, nearing the end of any <laughs> content we have to offer people. So we've resorted <laughs> to keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> Incredible. Amazing. Okay. Let's move forward. Well, should I tell people what I do? Or is oh. are you all that matter on the podcast? <laughs> no. Gosh. Lest we forget. It's like, the, okay, everything about career is out of the way, right? <laughs> you guys, Lauren is like, everyone should know that Lauren is like 3,000 times smarter than me. And That's not accurate. basically could, could get any job that I've ever gotten. And Lauren's actually the person who told me to go into copywriting and advertising. It's all due to you. If we're talking credit, you get all the credit. <laughs> I don't think did I ever I actually don't have a memory of telling you to go into copywriting. Yes, I remember you I called you one day like when I was in high school and you were like you should really consider the BYU ad lab. Oh, that's excellent. Wow. So there Gosh. you go. Are you happy now? <laughs> I mean, are you happy now? So every time essentially you're miserable <laughs> because you can't figure out which emoji you choose and you're sweating. It's all my fault. Yeah, my first two years in advertising were a complete and utter misery and it really is all your fault. <laughs> I do think that's a very common story, but you stuck through it and you want a job at Facebook. I do distinctly remember telling you that I thought advertising as an industry. Right. You told me to go brand side. I said to go tech. I said yeah. try to be an av- go into advertising for tech. Yeah. And it all worked out. And it all worked out. Amazing. Man. Anywho, um, back anywho. to your career talk. Oh, yeah. So I got laid off during COVID. I worked for Stance. It's a company that is very known for making – or not very known, but it's a company known for making socks. It's pretty known. It's like basically everyone on the West Coast wears stands. Yeah, it's like a West Coast, definitely known among Mormons, definitely yeah. known about amongst a lot of West Coasters. Anyway, so I worked for them in operations. And then I got laid off during COVID and it was actually like a really crazy dark time for me trying to figure out what my next move was. But it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me because – I was able to start this podcast, start this podcast. We could never have started this podcast if I had not been been laid off. You guys never, it never would have gotten up off the ground. Absolutely not. So it, it allowed me to have the time to actually create this podcast because this podcast just takes so much more behind the scenes. And And Lauren does like 99.9% of all the behind the scenes. Thank you. I do. And so. I mean, um, I thought you were going to counter with the 95%, (laughs) but okay, bitch. I mean, I do do, no, I do 90% of all the behind the scenes. And so anyway, it allowed us to create pop apologists, but then it also gave me the time to create a business, which is a hard pivot from what I was doing before. And someone messaged me on Instagram because I kind of, I showed what I was doing on my personal account and I sent people on our feed there. Uh-huh. They're interested and someone messaged them and they were like, this is a little off brand, but interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to seem a little off brand. I mean, if anything, it should just speak to you being incredibly smart and multifaceted and like having the ability to pivot and be like brilliant and talented at anything like you put your mind to. I For mean, example, pop culture and fintech. Can we talk about a dynamite combo? Okay. So I created a company called Retain Finance. And what we do is we give attorneys an ability to offer financing to their clients. So you can think of it like afterpay for attorneys. If any of my broke friends out there are looking to get a divorce, like we got you. If you need help with your DUI and you need an attorney, they can offer financing through my firm and through our company. And you can pay a low monthly payment and your attorney can get paid 100% up front. So that's the big thing, though, is the attorney gets paid 100% up front. 
the client gets a low monthly payment. It makes access to legal services affordable. It creates obviously a huge cash flow advantage for attorneys. People are already asleep. But anyway, uh, I, I just want to say a really smart idea. And I am one to use Afterpay. I'm one to use a firm. Like I'm not shy about my usage of that. And I think it's like brilliant that now people can actually get things they truly need, like legal services, without the like the initial cash, cash flow ticket. barrier to entry. Yes. Yeah. Most people they when uh, above three thousand dollars, they want to think about those those purchases and monthly payments. They don't want to think about them in lump sum payments. Right. And so, virtually every industry has financing that has big ticket purchases. Mm-hmm or I guess big ticket for an average consumer. And so this allows the legal space to also have financing. So anyway, I will say though, I could never have started it if I didn't have Kagan because Kagan was the one that honestly, like he could tell me what I, he could tell me what to Google. He could tell me what I needed to figure out. He could, when I thought I was like, when I was getting deep in compliance issues and freaked out about stuff, he was the one who could, he just always knew where I needed to go and what I needed to, to do. And so like, I just never hit a roadblock because he always like opened a door for me. Are these your vows? Are you literally writing your vows (laughs) on the podcast right now? He opened doors. He always knew, tell me what to Google. It it was just amazing. It was amazing. You could spend spend weeks figuring out what even the right thing to Google is, especially when you're trying to build a a technology product. Anyway, this sounds, I feel like I sound a little ridiculous, but no, um, it's great. I'm happy that you have Kagan in your life because I wouldn't know. I don't know. As you would say, a spatula from a spoon or what is it? Oh, a scalpel from a knife. (laughs) (laughs) Spatula from a spoon. (laughs) When it comes to fintech. So yeah, and I've actually, it has been an incredible year for me professionally because it's been the most exciting thing I've ever done and I have loved it. And so we kind of on this podcast, we joke about how much we hate working, but I will say that I love working when I'm really working on my own projects. Yeah. We love to joke about working soft and all those things, but truly my life has been changed for the better. Like the combination of getting a new job and you can heal your life by Louise Hay. Like (laughs) I'm a new person, ask anyone around me and I feel lucky and grateful. And I think that like in the same way that I've talked now about my company or my, what I'm working on, on the pod. Yeah. I think that like you can, you can contain multitudes. You can be a person who at some points hates working and feels like it's drudgery and is exhausted and is pretending to work and is waiting for that clock to hit five o'clock or six o'clock. And you can also be a person as the same woman or man who is super engaged and that can happen in the same job. I know. And so- yeah, it can it can be dependent on projects, managers, mm-hmm. like a ton of different things. So give yourself space to be super ambitious if you mm-hmm. want to be super ambitious and if that's how you're feeling or to be looking for, you know, a, a rich husband. Either way, we're here for you. <laughs> we feel you. We've been there. What a journey we've just been on. <laughs> Honestly. Ugh, Odysseus could never. Okay. Could never. Let us let them all talk, shall we? Yes. Okay, you guys, there's a new film out on HBO Max called Let Them All Talk. With Meryl Streep, Lucas Hedges, who's actually my number one crush. He's in this movie and he's dashing. Or he's just cute. He's just boyish and everything I want. Yeah, I don't get the appeal, but he is a fine actor. He's so cute. He's just like innocent and cute. (laughs) Yeah, those those two things don't turn me on. Innocent. And cute. Okay, that makes me sound creepy. He's just, there's no guile about him. He just seems like sweet and boyish. Okay, that's fine. Fair enough. He's over 18. You're allowed to be attracted to him. <laughs> Vero Streep, Gemma Chan, who is stunning. Ugh. And I just could look at her face. I could watch her eternity. talk. Yeah, until the end of time. I actually think she has my favorite face of all time. She's absolutely gorgeous. And I mean, we, we knew this from Crazy Rich Asians, which Lauren recently watched for the first time. Watched for the first time, was enraptured. I mean, specifically by Gemma Chan. What did you think of the wedding scene in Crazy Rich in Asians? In Crazy Rich Asians? Like I when mean, the water starts on the aisle. I will say, I think that since you guys had been like, oh, she's going to love the wedding scene, like so many times up yeah. leading up to the wedding scene, that Sorry. it was a little anticlimactic because uh-huh. I didn't know what to expect. And so I didn't How could you ever of- have expected water down the aisle? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think because it was that moment was hyped. I was just like already hyped. It's like still like 
those moments where you're in the movie theater and you're just like, oh my gosh, I, I feel like I transcended when I saw that part. Anyhow. It, it's an incredible movie. Yeah, a, a really good movie. And this movie, however, is totally different from Crazy Rich Asians. It was filmed in eight days. They had a loose script, basically no script though, and each scene just had motivations from each character. And they basically knew what outcomes each character wanted and where they needed to start and where they needed to end up, but there was no actual script. And so the dialogue feels very natural. Supernatural. Almost to the point where it's like awkward. Like people are talking the way people actually talk. Exactly. It's not every sentence isn't like jam packed with, I don't know. It almost has that almost type of Woody Allen, like witty, but I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of just interesting patterns of speech that you don't, yeah. I don't think are easy to write, but they're exactly. very easy to say. And right. so that part of it's really interesting, but my favorite portion of it and why I love it so much is because, so when I was in college, I was very into uh, poetry and I was like very deep in the, the academic scene, the academic literary scene. And I went to conferences and I, you know, I was just so like in it. And I met a lot of people who were like career poets who were teaching creative writing at universities and who were like esteemed poets of our generation. Oh, and anyway, esteemed. there is just in in the poetry community so many people that are either full Meryl Streep in this movie or a version, a shade of her. And it's just so delicious to watch satirized on screen because yeah, having dealt with people like that. It's amazing. Like Meryl Streep plays this writer who is this extremely renowned, uh, uh, like, oh, no, we don't have any root beer in here. (laughs) Sorry. We'll just leave that in. Yeah, it's cute. (laughs) Um, So Meryl Streep is like this star-studded, you know, basically like a Nora Ephron type of generation. I mean, but she's not even like as funny and self-aware as Nora Ephron. She takes herself very seriously. Like the books that she's written are called like She Always, She Never or something. It's called You Always, You Never. You Always, You Never. And then uh, Condition of the Body or... A Function of the Body. A Function of the Body. So you know the type we're dealing with. It's like a Joan Didion on steroids. Exactly. So she's written this book called you always, you never. And it's this huge hit. And at the very beginning of the movie, you see it's scene with her editor and the editor is basically like, listen, I need a sequel to you always, you never the top hit. And you see her at dinner with Gemma Chan, who plays her like agent or something. Uh-huh. And it's just so funny. Like Meryl Streep's like, basically is like, how long have you been at the agency? She's like, uh, uh, I've been around not too long, like eight years. Like Meryl Streep just cannot be bothered to deal with any mortals. Right. And then she's like, well, what, what books do you like of mine? What do you even like about my writing? And so Gemma Chan's like, well, I really loved you always, you never. And Meryl Streep like has her off and she's like, have you ever read A Function of the Body? You know, it's a much better book. <laughs> and it, it's just so like pretentious artist. And now like knowing that this was unscripted, it just shows how good Meryl Streep is. Oh, incredible. It's just so funny. And in the movie, they are going on a pilgrimage for her to uh, accept an award in England on a boat. And they're also going to visit the grave of one of Meryl Streep's favorite writers. And it's a fictional writer that they created called Blodwin Pugh, who's read this, written this book called Realm of the Owl. <laughs> And the whole way they're on the ship, Meryl Streep is just espousing the virtues of Realm of the Owl. Uh-huh. And she has, gives this little speech on the ship, and she's talking about how, like, when I read Realm of the Owl, I just think about what a miracle it is that consciousness arrives, that words arrived. And she's like, she's and like, at one sometimes point- Sometimes I wait a week for the right word. Sometimes I weep over words. Like, for me, it's just hilarious because literally I know people- who would have been like, oh, Realm of the Owl is one of my favorite books. Right. Like, even though it's just basically nonsense. Gobbledygook. Gobbledygook. They're like, oh, no, no, Realm of the Owl is their favorite book. And the so I have to say, though, the thing that I love about it is that in the film, there's a another author on board, and he's like the popular author. 
He's like the Kevin popular Grant. author. Yeah, he's like the John Grisham or the David McAuliffe. Yeah, in this fictional universe or in this, yeah, in the movie. And so he's the one that people actually really love and read his novels every time and are obsessed with his work. And I think one of the things that really turned me off to the poetic community or the poetry community was that. I think in like in most arts, to be honest, I think there's such little economic reward. Mm-hmm. So what I think artists do, unfortunately, and this is just a really common theme, is that because there's no economic reward, there's really just status rewards within mm-hmm. that community. And so if anyone in the community actually gets economic, economic rewards right. and gets really successful, you suddenly everyone you shame them. You shame them. You deride their work yeah. as cheap, as accessible. Right. She like asked at one point, she's like, how long does it take you to write a book? <laughs> and he was like, he's like, oh, like four months. She's like, oh, longer than I thought. <laughs> like she, like when she asked about his book, she has this hand gesture, like she's flicking like dirt. Right. It's just the, every so part her acting is just so delicious to watch and consume. It's really funny. Oh, classic. Classic. Yeah, highly recommend. Okay, so I think this is our natural jumping off point. We're going to hope, fingers crossed, that our dad comes on to discuss the case between Erica and Tom. Hopefully. Fingers truly crossed. Yep. So, goodbye for now. Goodbye for now. It's expensive to be made. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I do um, want to give a caveat, though. Being okay. an attorney and being your father, um, <laughs> I do think that I want to make it clear that I am conditioning this appearance oh on full editorial control. So, okay. Uh, it's quite the condition. It's quite the knowing the, knowing the two of you the way I know you, it's only, it's only appropriate. What's that supposed to mean? Well, well... Never mind. Let, let, let us continue. Let us forge ahead and see if we can make something good out of this. Okay. We're certainly going to try. Um, Dad, thank you so much for being here. You are an esteemed family law attorney in Orange County, California. Is that true or false? Well, I, as far as I know, that's true. Okay, I don't know great. what kind of esteem, but I am esteemed. <laughs> Excellent. So we have brought you on today for your professional opinion about the current dissolution of marriage between Erica Girardi and Thomas Girardi, another attorney. Are you familiar with either parties in the case? I've heard of Thomas Girardi. I don't know anything about Erica Girardi. I assume that she's a younger woman who he probably married early on or something or some time ago. Are you familiar with the name Erica Jane? Does that ring any more no, bells? No, no familiar whatsoever. <laughs> have you ever heard the song, It's Expensive to Be Me? No, I have not. <laughs> okay, well, lots of education. That's not gonna consciously today. anyway. I probably <laughs> walked by your room or something at one point and heard it. But... We can change that. All right. So we wanted to get you on because we want your opinion on the facts of the case. Chandler, this is a doozy of a case. Do you want to walk dad through the facts? Uh, I I can walk dad through the facts, but I think you should. I could ask a few questions. Why don't we start with you asking questions? That'd be great. Yeah. That's kind of what I do. So how long long were the two of them married? 20 years, 21 years, I believe. What's the age difference? 30 years. Okay. Maybe more. And uh, how old is Thomas Girardi? I'm assuming, I'm guessing from my what I know about him, he's probably in his late 70s, early 80s. He's in his 80s. That's correct. Okay. And he's probably still practicing, right? Yes. He is. He was the famous attorney on the Aaron Brockovich lawsuit. Well, now, that was Ed Masry, I thought. He was on the team. I'm pretty sure he was also a very important part of it. Well, at least Erica's always acted like the main actor in Aaron Brockovich was based on Tom. Well, I, think it was, I think it was actually, he, she might have said that, but I think the actor was Ed Masry. I think is. Oh yeah, that's the that actor. Oh, maybe is that was that, the no, actor. I think that's, no, I think that's who he played, actually. I think that's the name of the attorney. Okay, I well, think. according to the Los Angeles Times, published December 17th, 2020, Thomas Girardi dominated consumer law in California and beyond for decades, wrestling billions of dollars from drug companies, car makers, and polluters on behalf of the injured and cheated, most famously in the case that inspired Aaron Brockovich. Dad, I think you're right, though. I think I think Ed, Edward L. Masary was the main guy, and he's dead. 
We're getting I, in the weeds. We got to stay okay. high level. Okay. Okay. So, That's exactly what your mother told me before I came on the podcast is keep it high level. <laughs> Mom did. So I'm glad you brought that up. Mom pulled him aside before this. What did she mean by that? She didn't want us to get too in the details of the case. I have an idea that she wanted me to keep it on a high plane. <laughs> okay. So this did not deteriorate. Gotcha. Mom? That, would be that she would be embarrassed for me. Oh my goodness. I know this podcast serves as a continued source of embarrassment for our mother. So we'll keep this episode, you know, as... This segment will be extremely professional, rest assured. And your mother is truly about the most wonderful person on the face of the planet. So there we go. <laughs> Sounds like a man that knows he's recorded. Okay. Um... Well, right. I've been with her going on 39 years. Oh he knows what he's God. doing, folks. In fact, 40, 40 years this coming October will be in the day we uh, cross paths, shall we That's say. crazy. Yes. That is amazing. Well, that's one way to do marriage. Erica mm-hmm. Girardi and Tom Girardi have done it a completely different way. Yeah, it's a little bit of a different situation than you and mom. So Erica files for divorce in November. Okay, I'm going to walk you through the facts of the case. She does not list a separation date, but did claim that the property before and after her marriage should be solely hers. I mean, Meanwhile, her property? She says that, yes, her property before and after the marriage should be solely hers. Meanwhile, Tom's business partners are suing him for an alleged $315,000 of income that he gained from their partnership that he kept for himself. 315,000. Okay. They also allege That's that like Tom small claims court. But go ahead. 315,000? <laughs> well, compared to the celebrity divorce, that would be a small claims court. Issue. Dad's like this is small fish. Like I don't even know why you're having me on here. I mean, buckle in, Dad. It gets worse. They also said that Tom took out loans against the company's property without their knowledge. And this is where it gets much darker. So Tom is also facing another lawsuit for allegedly embezzling funds from families who lost loved ones in a 2018 Lion Air plane crash. If I can just quickly interject, please, Dad, basically what you're going to see as Lauren lays out these facts, Tom Girardi has essentially been robbing Peter to pay Paul to try and cover the expenses of his law firm. he's And he's been taking out massive loans. And while he's been doing these big pro bono cases, for the, for example, this Lion Air. Not um, pro bono. Contingency no, Sorry, cases. contingent. Yeah, sorry. Not not pro bono, contingent. So he gets these big- You would call pro bono a swear word, but go ahead. <laughs> so he does these contingent cases. They get these massive settlements. And then he doesn't give the victims or whoever he's representing their full amount of money. So he, that's what you'll actually- see. He actually wires the money, allegedly, from his trust account, where the settlement was wired into, to EJ Global, LLC, which is Erica Jane's performance account. Mm. Her account where, so she is also, um, another big portion of this is she is a pop star, and he is funding her career as a pop star. So she's spending a lot of the money, in theory, all of it, on her pop career. Wow. For example, like she'll fly to, let's say, Dubai to go do a show or whatever, and she'll fly her entire, what they call a glam squad, out with her. So her makeup guy, her hair person, everyone gets to go first class along with her. Or on a private jet. Dad, do you know what a glam squad is? It's probably like an entourage or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Okay. You catch on fast. Quick learner. I like it. NBA NBA basketball players often have those. Exactly. Particularly the ones who didn't have fathers. Go ahead. Um, all right. All right. So well, that's there's true. Another- that's true. You get an NBA guy and he's kind of crazy or a NFL player who's a, a diva. Typically, they did not use, if you take a careful look at it, they did not grow up with a father. And they have that kind of confusion and they need that level of um, support. And that's true. That's very, very true. A lot of these guys have their little entourage. They have to have with them, and a lot of them. And I'm just saying, you can you can de- delete this part if you want to, but I'm just saying, a careful look at that would show that a lot of these guys really didn't have a father, and they're messed up. Right, or grow up from like broken homes. Because a father is the one who will say, "Knock it off," <laughs> and um, I mean, they didn't have that. They didn't have that. And so, the, because of that, they have to travel with an entourage so they feel taken care of. Something like that. So do you think that if Chandler, Courtney, or I ever became big stars, which is all but inevitable at some point, that we will eschew an entourage because uh, we've always had a loving father? I think think that you would, yes. Interesting. Oh, God. That's so great. 
predictions. I love it. Okay, so back to the case at hand. We have these massive settlements that the victims are not getting paid out from. We have a $3.2 million tax lien on Erica and Tom. In 2010, we have his partner suing him for 315000 We have him owing court reporters over 550000 And then we have him telling the judge in court that even though he used to have a balance of $80 million, he doesn't know where any of the money is, it's all gone, and that his firm currently in its operating account has $15,000. Wow. It's in this environment with all of this going on that Erica files for divorce. Okay? So- First question before, and we, there's one more element that's pretty big, but we'll get it into that like in a second. sounds like he outlived his, his usefulness to her pretty much. <laughs> yes. Well, well, here's the question though. So he's allegedly embezzling funds from his lawsuit into her account, right. um, which he's the only shareholder on. Right. Is she legally implicated? The attorney general is now investigating this. Could she go to jail for this? I don't think so unless she was a knowing participant. Okay. Unless she was a knowing participant. Like, how much would you have to know? I don't know. You just, you would just, I think you just have to know what was going on, be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Party, party to the fraud, if you will. Okay. Okay. And one other thing can you tell the judge that you really don't know what happened to $80 million? Well, the government does it all the time. Uh, <laughs> so if you're a, uh, if you're a Democrat, you can probably get away with all, get away with it. <laughs> they are actually big a, Democrats. If you're a Republican, now. they'll come to your home with, SWAT gear, roust you out of bed at 4, 4 a.m. with your wife who can't even hear, who's deaf, and you'll get the book thrown at you. But if you're, a, if you're pretty much Pelosi or Newsom, you can do, you can act with impunity. Okay, here, interesting. How about that One thing you should know comment? is that Tom Girardi was a big Gavin Newsom supporter. Mm-hmm. Like, donated no. to his campaign. Like, Newsom appointed him to some board. Like for the Well, given that, I don't, I don't feel sorry for him at all. Okay. Good to know. Okay, continuing. Well, we shouldn't feel sorry for him because really consider that there are all of these victims of these horrible things that happen to them. They finally get, you know how long a class action lawsuit can take? Years, up to a decade. They finally get their settlement and they never get the funds. The funds are siphoned away to a middle-aged pop star and her like fake singing career. Right. I think that's a big problem. Yeah, I I think so too. Some of these lawyers, I think some of these lawyers get so involved in litigation, this is true, the client almost becomes insignificant. The lawsuit becomes their lawsuit. The money becomes, in their mind, their money. Exactly. And the client's just this this person who's kind of a a vehicle who helped get them there, but they've put so much of their time and energy and everything else into it that the client sort of does become. You got to realize if you're a lawyer and you've been funding this case with your own firm's money for years, and then you need to get paid back, I think some of these lawyers, and I've heard this, but the client does become relatively insignificant in the process. You're out, you're out covering your own financial backside, if you will. Interesting. So here's my question, though. So as an attorney, yes, you've put your blood, sweat, and tears into a lawsuit. And let's say that you get a settlement of $80 million. Well, it's a contingency lawsuit, so you're entitled to 40% of that, right? So what is that? $32 million? Isn't that enough to fund, to pay yourself back? Why do you have to keep the entire $80 million? And also, don't you realize as an attorney, as an officer of the court, that you are going to be in deep trouble for stealing money from your clients? Huge trouble. And the other part of that is, typically on a case like that, not only does the attorney get 35 or 40% of the total, but they also, off of the top, take the fees. So what happens, or the expenses, so then... Let's say you got an $80 million award, and let's say the attorney spent $5 million of his own or $3 million of his own firm's money. What they'll do out of the $80 million, they'll take the $5 million costs, and then they'll take their $32 million. So they'll end up taking 45% of the $80 million. Interesting. But, but even in that case, it's not enough. This guy has to take it well, all. No, it's a big pro- that's, a, that's a big problem. That's a, that's a big problem. And yeah. obviously he's out of control. I mean, I think also when you're in debt, I mean, he was borrowing money left and right to try and cover his expenses. Like he obviously had to take more than just like what he was owed and then some because he was there's trying a to lesson, pay back. There's a lesson there to living too high. Is that, that can be a big problem. Right. Do you see no matter who you are, but I mean, you know, everybody, no matter, yeah, that seems like crazy that uh, he would be in that situation with all the success he's had. 
yeah, yeah. Can I dad of of me and Chandler, and well, of all your daughters, who do you think um, lives the most within their means and is the most financially responsible and is oh, the wow. least like Tom Girardi? Well, I think I wouldn't want to go there. But Lauren, I know that you are very. I know that you are. I know you're fishing for the fact that I know you are very frugal. You are uh, very frugal. She's cheap with everyone but herself. And I think that's mean. that's not a bad quality for a woman to have necessarily, as long as it doesn't <laughs> yeah. go overboard. Better for a woman to have that quality than a man. That's just my own opinion. Okay. Do you think I'm frugal? Not so much. Not so much. By the way. <laughs> All right. Whatever. I'll take it. Okay, so here's the next part, portion of this. So when Erica filed for divorce, there was a lot of talk that the divorce was actually just a way for her and Tom to shelter their assets or p- portion of their assets and to try to shield those assets from creditors and that the divorce would actually not be seen as valid um, by the court. Is that something the court can do? Can the court say, like, this is clearly just you're trying to manipulate the system because you're in legal trouble? I've never heard of that before, but it's possible. Really? I think I've heard of one case like that at one point in time where the, it was a uh, some type of fraudulent divorce or something like that. Okay. Next question, and this is the next player in this whole debacle. Are you aware of a woman named Trisha Bigelow? Never heard of her. Okay. She's a so judge no. in LA. Mm-hmm. And apparently it turns out that Tom was having an affair on Erica Jane with Trisha L. Chandler, is it Trisha L. Bigelow? Uh, L, it might be L, Trisha Bigelow. I don't know. There's an L period somewhere in there. So with Trisha L. Bigelow, he was having an affair. And so when all the chatter online was that their divorce was not going to be held as valid with the court, Erica Jane posted an Instagram post with screenshots of naughty texts between Tom and his mistress. And she said, this is justice, Trisha Bigelow. And so my question is, are the courts on Instagram looking for evidence that divorce cases are valid? Are judges perusing Instagram? They're not supposed to. You're not supposed <laughs> to look at anything outside of the evidence that you're presented to. Now, if some attorney presented that, then the judge, ju- then the judge could look at it. But otherwise, no, they should not be. Okay, so but if the, let's say that screenshot of all of those those naughty texts – I don't want to say that phrase ever Stop again. saying that. <laughs> <laughs> of, the, of the text messages – Um, The incriminating text messages were admitted into evidence as in court as evidence that she wanted to get a divorce because he was having an affair, not because it was to shield assets. Would that actually be relevant? Is that something that could be used in court? Yes. Interesting. Okay. State of mind. Is there a world where the the court wouldn't grant her a divorce because because they think she's using it to shield assets? Not that I've ever seen, no. Okay. Interesting. It's just so interesting because everything I've read online says that she is legally implicated in all of this because it was all going into her account and that she's in deep trouble too and is probably going to jail. But dad, you don't think that's the case. Well, I don't know enough about it to opine, but is Tom Girardi going to jail? The attorney general is looking into it. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's just going to be- But that's what Democrats do though. They investigate each other forever. (laughs) And then I mean, that's the best way. If you want to protect your fellow Democrat, you just start investigating them and you investigate, investigate, investigate. And then the public gets tired of it. And then it dies. It dies a slow death. That's what they do. So I don't, I'm not, I would, I'm sure that Tom Jardy's probably made plenty of good political contributions and he's probably covered himself there with a get out of jail free card. And, think- uh, yeah. I mean, he, he is like a major donor to Newsom. Do, yeah. do you think that that fact could provide him some sort of impunity? I think that fact could, could result in a long investigation, probably till the time he goes in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a hot take. Wow. Interesting. By the way, I did, as we were talking, I did look at, the, I did look up, because I'm in another room, I did Google Trisha A. Bigelow. And, and at think? one point, if you look at her picture, she's kind of a hottie. Oh, <laughs> and um, and we're talking now about the presiding justice of the Second District Court of Appeal, Division Eight. So what does so, that mean? Is she so, a big deal? I don't know. She's not for a lawyer. She's not bad looking. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, I'm sure Mom will appreciate you keeping it high level. <laughs> well, I'm just that's just observation. She's not as hot as your mother, though. But we'll, we'll give her that. But, you know, not bad. Okay, just, that question. Question. Yeah. just going through law school, you have to 
that's going to put about 10 years age on anybody. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's why I didn't do it. I just had a couple of thoughts on the, on the other thing. You know, it is true that I, I don't care what anybody says, but the fact of the matter is in my pr- pretty much 30 years of experience, it'll be 30 years, goodness gracious, only 30 years next May that I've been a lawyer, licensed attorney, state of California. I do think that there are a couple of things that I've noticed in matrimonial law. Generally, the wife does expect to be supported, and or many of them, and even if they earn a good salary, they still want the husband to take the laboring or in paying the bills. Yeah. And their money is kind of their money. So the fact that, uh, what's her name? This wife Erica. of his, Erica, said that my what what's mine is mine, and what's ours is mine, or whatever, whatever she said, in effect, doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And uh, she does seem like a person who expects to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few men in my day taken to the cleaners by attractive young women who they get into supporting the quote unquote supporting the woman's career and then the woman when she does make it unceremoniously dumps them. Yeah. And yeah. It, it just goes to show that um, men are fools. True. It's true. It's definitely true. I mean, it's in the case of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, I think that's a classic case where, you know, he fell for the young gal and she ended up basically ruining his life. Right. Is she, so. is he broke now? Did I hear that? I believe so. Allegedly. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, and I like, think that kind of blacklisted in Hollywood. And let me guess. She's not, he's broke and she's not. Hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what her theory holds. I don't know. What, yeah. We don't know what her financial situation is, but, you know, we have a lot of female listeners, Dad, and some of them might be, you know, eyeing either law school or medical school or starting a business or, um, you know, a guy at the bar and taking him to the cleaner someday. And if, if it's the latter, we would love your advice for gold diggers everywhere on how they can, you know, get Structure the best- Structure a prenup. Structure a prenup for- the highest yield for themselves and how they can really set themselves up for financial success on the back of another person. Well, here's the, here's the very simple advice I would give is always get a lawyer and consult with the lawyer in uh, working out the details of the prenup. Is it always better if you're an aspiring gold digger to not get a prenup? Uh, I would think, yeah, definitely. But if you, and, and if you do get one, you better have a lawyer advising you. But if you don't, let's say you, you get one and you don't have a lawyer, can't you say, I signed this under duress and I didn't even have my own attorney telling me what was in it? Ah. Anybody who knows what they're doing on a prenup will insist that the other spouse or the spouse-to-be get a lawyer to advise them. Because gotcha. they know that that could happen down the road. Exactly. Wow. Just too much. Anytime you have an agreement where there's a great disparity in the bargaining power. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's where the agreement can be held to be unconscionable. Like like husband, Newport Beach, worth $100 million, and his huge law firm lawyers impose a prenup on some yeah. waitress he met at the Rusty Pelican or whatever. <laughs> and, um, Don't divulge the details of an actual case. That's actually where I, no, that's actually where I proposed your mother. But, but she's not a waitress there, but it's just the, the first restaurant that came to mind at Newport Beach. That's so funny. Obviously, it's not that great of a restaurant if I could afford to go there as a young man. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, Dad. Yeah. Um, wait, okay, so you were saying that someone of that caliber gets some waitress to sign a prenup and doesn't... Well, you can bet someone of that caliber is going to have an attorney mm-hmm. and is going to have an attorney, even if, the, even if the person goes to the fiance and says, hey, I just made this up myself. But if you can bet if he's a multi-multi-millionaire, he's hired an attorney who's ghostwriting everything for him. And they have a yeah. plan to go and kind of like triangulate the lady. So maybe she doesn't get an attorney. But mm-hmm. the, the standard rule is always get a good attorney to review that for you. Okay. Another question then. Um, let's say you don't get an attorney. You got a terrible prenup. But you're still an aspiring gold digger. And it's time to take him to the cleaners. How do you get out of a bad prenup? Well, the, one of the reasons is, or one of the ways is by saying I didn't have an attorney and I made it with it. In fact, if you don't have an attorney reviewing a prenup, there it's going to be looked at by a court with some suspicion, particularly if you're the weaker party in the transaction. Mm-hmm. It's going to be looked at with some suspicion. So if you don't have an attorney 
that's going to be a problem. The other way to make the agreement presumed invalid is to kind of stall the guy and then, if you will, stall the fiance and then sign it within the seven days before the marriage. Because California law is pretty strict and they want they want the prenup to be signed um at least seven days before the marriage. And it should be signed with attorneys. I've had people where I've had I've had a case I've got a case right now where the, the guy basically comes in and says, Hey, you signed the, the night before the wedding says, I want you to sign this prenup and the basically the father and the, the father, the bride is up half the night typing this prenup. What? And the prenup and the lady's crying, but the bride is crying. But the invitations are already, of course, people are in town, the wedding's paid for, and the the groom is being a bad guy. And he insisted that this prenup be signed. It's not going to be valid in the end. Oh, really? So it's just going to get thrown They out. didn't have lawyers, and they were the one this. Yeah, it's presumed. Anytime, let me tell you, let me just say one thing. The closer the people are in the relationship, who are entering into agreement, the more carefully a court scrutinizes it because spouses or other intimate partners have a great ability to unduly influence the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're not thinking that clearly when you're dealing with your fiance as you are when you're dealing with some guy who you've never, never met before in a business transaction. So spouses or fiances have a great ability to unduly influence the other. Mm-hmm. And that means to, uh, to make somebody act in a way that a normal person would not act. Right, like manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Manipulate so, them. That's a good way to say it. If you're a smart gold digger, you will just w- say, no problem, I'll sign it. But you just put it off until within a week of the wedding. Yeah. And that thing is just as good Most as- Most likely it will be held invalid. Okay, great. And then great. another question. Let's say your husband, your fiance is smart to this strategy and tries to get you to sign it before that seven-day period. If you have like a normally a very loopy signature, but instead you use like block signature on the prenup, could that invalidate it? I don't think so. Um, Good try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I have another question, dad, for you. Um, Let's say, just let's put you in the shoes of Tom Girardi. I want to know, let's say you had a huge case, you got a big settlement, but your lovely bride mom comes to you and she says, John, I have given you six children, 30 years of love and devotion, and it's time for me to start a singing career. And for her to get that career off the ground, sorry, but uh, that settlement you just got, that's what's going to get her on MTV. That would never happen for more reasons than than, than the obvious. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I think that just goes to show you want to keep it high level and have mom's best interest at heart. Yeah, and plus your mother and I, neither your mother and I can sing worth anything. So um, I don't think you have to these days with, with computers. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Thankfully. Probably true. Yeah. Oh, Chan, any other questions for dad? No, this was perfect, dad. Truly. We'll have you back on. I feel like the oh, well, I'll be waiting, but I'll be can hardly wait. And it's been wonderful <laughs> to be with you girls today, you ladies. Thank you. I love both of you, and um, and I'll be signing off. Okay. All have right. a- have a great day, and we'll talk to you later. Love you, Dad. Love you, Dad. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how. And work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. 